We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Gold, and I'm joined today by Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, how's it going, brother? Life is good. I'm, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like I'm ready to just you know get on a winning streak. That that that's what I want for these Indiana Pacers. So you know why not do it tonight? Why not? We got the Denver Nuggets coming to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I don't know about you, but I'm a big Nuggets guy. What's your favorite dipping sauce for Nuggets? Well, here's the thing. I'm always a big like Buffalo Chipotle guy. Sometimes I have okay. a little bit too much. Fill it in the stomach a little bit. You know, feel a little rumble in the belly, but. At the same point, if you have any Chick-fil-A Polynesian sauce, okay. you also can't go wrong with that. So I feel like that's great for a nugget. But if you got some Chipotle mayo, I'm probably dipping in there every single time. Chipotle what mayo. about yourself? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I like uh, I like the sriracha yeah, from, yeah. from Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A sauce by itself. I, I mean, I'm, just phenomenal. I like a good honey mustard, but I'm a big sauce guy. I like ranch. I like honey big mustard, time. barbecue, buffalo. I mean... Hook me up. I mean, cane sauce is pretty good too. Mm. So there's a lot of different options out there. I mean, I've just continued to grow into my dips, <laughs> but um, I could talk about a podcast of dips for like the for 30, oh, yeah. 40 minutes. You know, that's how excited I am. But you know, I'm a, I, I am curious though, just to kind of see uh, how the Pacers get back on track after this road trip. We always know the first game back can be very difficult. Today we're going to do a fun exercise where we're going to be ranking the roster in order of how we think they're viewed as in terms of trade assets or assets to this team long-term. And what's really funny is me and Fachi were in the process of recording this last week on a, on a Tuesday. And then we get the bomb from Shams that, Oh, Hey, you know what? The Pacers and the Raptors have intensified in their talks. And we're like, all right, let's finish this out. Then we were going to release it on like Thursday. And then Wednesday, the Pacers make the trade for Siakam. We're like, okay. So, <laughs> so we had Scrapped. to basically can it. And we have to change it a little bit because no longer have Jordan Moore or Bruce Brown on the roster. We've got Pascal Siakam on the roster. Now there's only 14 guys instead of 15. So 
it may be go a, a little quicker, but I don't know. Did you make any other changes to your to your list since we talked last? Well, I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit of a spoiler, but when we first did this, number 15 on my list was Jordan War. I had him below James Johnson because I went, this man ain't surviving the trade deadline. I was just like, in my opinion, I felt that James Johnson was more likely to be wearing a Pacers jersey for the rest of the season than Jordan War. So that was a, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but I guess assuming that, hey, you know, James Johnson as the 15th man, you know, we could imagine that we both have him at the bottom. Do we want to go into that or do we want to just skip ahead? I mean, we don't have to talk about him. He's on a 10-day contract right now. So, I mean, you know, exactly. I think think that that savvy business move, though, that's a savvy business move by the Pacers. Very underrated. Yes, because they can do that for two different times now. So. Mm They can do two 10-day contracts, and it does allow them to kind of just waive him if they do make a trade. So I think that that right there just kind of shows you they're still looking to do something, but I don't know what it is. And it's a great point because it's like when you want to talk about ultimate flexibility, I mean, there it is. Two 10-day contracts will get you past the trade deadline if nothing happens, but there is that ultimate flexibility right there that anything could happen at any point. And that's what has me excited, keeping all the options open. And we've seen the Pacers have, you know, made that work in the past where other was keeping that, hey, what are they going to do that they have so much money left to spend? They negotiate a Miles Turner extension. What yeah. about this year? They still had Capron. Well, you know what? It helped them you know, facilitate this trade for Pascal Siakam by having a little bit of extra money to spend. So I mm-hmm. thought that was great. But now, now we're moving into 14 on the list. 13. 13. Yeah. Yeah. We only have 14 guys on the roster now since we traded three mm-hmm. for, for Siakam and then we brought James Johnson back. Technically, Kara Lewis Jr. was part of those three that got dealt. Yes, yes, yes. So, so we're yeah. at 13 now. Sorry. <laughs> we're at 13. And look, I think sometimes this, this you know, being the 13th man on this type of list could, could rub some people wrong. But remember, this is the you know, how the Pacers view these players long-term in terms of their importance. There's a lot of different ways you could define assets. We're talking about in terms of, like, how do the Pacers view these players long-term? I have Buddy Heald, and okay. it, it's tough. It's tough, but here's the, here's the reality of it. I don't see Buddy with the Pacers after this year, and I don't know if I see Buddy with the Pacers after this trade deadline. When you talk about that they're keeping their flexibility and anything can happen— if you want to make a real swing, Buddy Hield's contract of just over $19 million kind of has to be involved. It's one thing if you want to make a move, like lay down a bunt, or maybe you get on base and you bring in someone who's really not going to make an impact. If you want to actually make a big impact, Buddy Hield is that last contract that you could truly trade because I don't think the Patriots are going to move Miles Turner. And there's a big drop-off next to T.J. McConnell at roughly $9 million. So that's why I have Buddy at 13, because I just don't see him in the Pacers' plans moving forward. I may or may not have tried to see if the roster, uh, if combining all these rosters would give us enough salaries. So I did put Buddy Hill, T.J. McConnell, Jalen Smith, and Obi Toppin's contracts together to see if that would be enough to get us Paul George. And according to the trade machine, it is enough. That is enough salary mm. a- aggregated to get Paul George. Now, you heard it first. If that's what the Clippers have, want. <laughs> you might have to trade, uh, change out one of those guys for like a Matherin or something to get Paul George. Yeah, I think so. The Clippers excited. But I was like, I just want to see the salary works before I get my you know myself uh, too excited. But this is where I'm a little bit different. I've changed a little bit from when we talked last. And this is where I have Obi Toppin. I just feel like okay. at this point, you go out and get Pascal Siakam. He's your long-term starting power forward. You drafted Jairus Walker. Who is the third man out on that starting power forward spot? It's Obi Toppin. And the Pacers are going to have to make a tough decision in terms of how much they want to pay him this upcoming year. What is his salary going to be like? I just don't necessarily think that it makes a whole lot of sense to bring him back. There is the part of where you have him as a restricted free agent. But think about it this way. The Pacers gave up two bad seconds to get him. I don't really know if he has a ton of value across the league. So Obi Toppin is a fine role player. I don't think he's going to be moving the needle whatsoever. I thought he would be involved in this trade with Toronto to bring Pascal Siakam to Indiana. They were able not to do that, but I feel like out of all the guys that we've mentioned, you talk about Buddy, I'll bring up Buddy in a little bit. I don't agree with you that Buddy's not on this roster next season. I think there's a chance they try to bring him back because they're going to need his shooting. If you take away his shooting from this team – 
yeah, it's it's pretty rough. You already got rid of Bruce oh, yeah. Brown. He was yeah. a pretty good shooter. And Pascal is not a great shooter. So I feel like at this point, I've got to have Obi Toppin here only because I feel like what the Pacers want long-term, he doesn't necessarily fit that. So that's that's where I've got Obi. Yep. And that's very, very fair. Obi could return to the Pacers if you know no one really offers a real deal and he just signs this you know qualifying offer. So that is a possibility, but at the same point, you know, I, I'm with you. I mean, right when that Pascal Siakam trade happened, I feel like Obi became that odd man out. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have, have Obi right here. And here's the thing. You could sign him back, but for what money? I mean, you could make an argument unless Obi's willing to take a big discount. It doesn't make sense to bring him back. Yeah. I mean, wait, $10 million to Obi top and moving forward. That could be a steal. But if you're the Pacers, does it make sense? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. do you want to really give Obi like a four-year, $40 million contract when you're trying to sign Siakam to a max? You're trying to get Jarris Walker involved. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, is, his max is kicking in. It's like all of a sudden, it's like that's actually a lot of money for a backup power forward that you also don't see as your long-term maybe backup power forward if you have Jarris Walker there. So that's the tough thing because you know how passionate I was about bringing um, Obi Toppin to town. But the fact is that he did get better, but we got Pascal Siakam. It's kind of as easy cut and dry as it is. It's just like we got a two-time All-NBA guy that we're looking to do. Once you make this trade, you you spend three first-round picks. You are saying we're giving this man a max contract. And that is as simple as it gets that if the Pacers want to continue to get better, whatever money they're going to have left, they're going to want to spend outside of the power forward position. Yeah. I mean, I I think that there's a lot of ways you can look at this, like in terms of like what your depth chart would look like at the power forward spot. If you let Obi Toppin go, um, you would, you would assume that Pascal Siakam's number one, obviously. And then Jairus Walker would be number two. And then number three, you could throw Jalen Smith in the mix, but you could also throw Aaron Neesmith in the mix. Yeah. So I think they have enough optionality here a lot. where they don't have to just be so invested in a guy like Obi Toppin. And that is why I had him at 12, or excuse me, I had him at 13. You had him at 12. Um, but mm-hmm. for me, at number 12, I'm going with Jalen Smith. And it's tough because I do think that the Pacers like him a lot. And I think he does provide a ton of good things for the outside shooting and the blocking, the rebounding. But the player option is still a big question mark to me. And the Pacers not being able to have control on that is a little bit worrisome. And his contract's not enough where you feel like it's a big asset if you, you know, aggregate it with something that might be a little bit more. But, like, you know, this is where I think Buddy Hill is a little bit more valuable and I have him a little bit higher on my list only for that reason alone because of the the size of the contract and the shooting the Pacers do still need on this roster. I know Jalen's shooting the ball well, but when Isaiah Jackson comes back, you got Miles Turner at the five. Do we think that Jalen Smith is the backup power or backup center for this team? I would assume so over Isaiah Jackson, but I'm not going to assume anything with how Rick Carlisle has kind of been doing his rotations recently. I think it might just be a, a per game basis and just kind of, you know, stay tuned as he would say. The only reason why I have Jalen Smith above Obi Toppin right in this spot, I'm right over here, is because he's, I have him over here at 11. Okay. It's because that player option is there. Like, if he opts in, you have him under contract. In my opinion, I think Jalen Smith has done enough to opt out. And you got to also remember this. Phoenix declined that third year, um, you know, that, that third year you know, rookie deal from uh, yeah. years ago. He has never really gotten paid. He signed with the Pacers at what they said. We never heard what that team would. At a discount. Remember, they claimed another team offered more. I always thought it was maybe San Antonio. I don't know. We never heard who offered Jalen Smith more money. But I think at this point, this is a good time. If Jalen Smith can keep this up, this is a good time to opt out. It's about $5.4 million. That's really not a lot. Yeah. And sign a new deal. Now, ask yourself this. Patriots like him. But do you like him at like $8 million a year? Like, ah, I don't know. I feel like that kind of just feels like as a backup big, like it, it's not a lot, but at the same point, I also feel like the Pacers want to continuously get better. But the 
what really tipped the scale of having Jalen above Obi was A, technically he is under contract for that player option, and B, he's a better rebounder. I just yeah. felt like it was like this team needs rebounding. Jalen Smith is a much better rebounder than Obi Toppin. So that is exactly why I have Jalen there. But in my gut, I feel he opts out, looks to sign a new deal, and he could have suitors. I just think that if you're the Pacers, I don't know what your your um your max you know ranges of what you're gonna give a guy like Jalen Smith to me. If it tops out at eight million dollars or more, you know, you might want to let him test the market a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I would probably feel comfortable doing like three for twenty-four. It's about a player option, the max or team for option. Me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to give him more than eight million. That's tough. It is, but if you're going to give him that much, then at that point, you probably just have to trade Isaiah Jackson. And I know people don't want to hear that, but it's like you cannot just continue to have these guys collecting paychecks but not playing. You got to have to get like like three centers at all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. just we did that. We had Turner, Sabonis, and Goga. It's like yeah. at some point, it it doesn't give that third guy a true shot. And just like you know, you know how it goes. I mean, it's like Isaiah Jackson is going to be on that final year of his rookie deal before he enters restricted free agency next year. You don't want to be entering that same thing. Oh, he's in a contract year. Are we going to give him enough time to to be able to you know pay him and also play him? I, I don't know. I just feel like if Jalen opts out, you give Isaiah Jackson a true shot at it. So you take it from there, but hey, sorry for cutting you off, but I, I completely no. agree with you. No, you're good, and I'm just going to keep it moving here because I think we've kind of explained the Jalen Smith ranking. I have him 12, you have him 11. For me at 11, this is where I have T.J. McConnell. T.J. McConnell, to me, is a very good backup point guard. He's got five years partially guaranteed on his contract next year. The Pacers could waive him if they wanted, but it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to do that, in my opinion, based on where they're at salary cap-wise now. So if they don't trade him, you keep him. He's an expiring contract around $9 million, which could be very valuable in a trade moving forward. It could be, you know, just a really good player to have on your roster for around that type of money. So I don't know exactly what kind of contract TJ McConnell is wanting after this contract expires or runs out, but I'm a I'm a big McConnell guy. He's He's very matchup dependent, though, and I do think he is a bit limited in terms of what he can do for – your squad come playoff time. It's it's a great regular season type of player to have, a really good backup point guard in the league. But is he the right fit, specifically with how they want to play? He's really good at getting into the paint. But other than that, he doesn't give you the outside look that you're wanting if you're a, a team. So I, I think there is a chance they could look to move him, but I, I don't think they do. I think he stays put on this roster for the rest of this year and for all of next year. Um, at least be under contract with the Pacers. I, I'm not sure exactly if they'll let him walk into free agency or whatever in 2025, but my my gut feeling is that McConnell finishes out the year here, comes back next year, but they're going to really have to make a decision eventually on him or Andrew Nimhard. and I don't know which route they'll go, but if they really believe in Nimhard as a backup point guard, they need to start allowing him to play those minutes a little bit more consistently and, and figure out a way to find a spot for TJ where he's going to fit in. No, they, they do. And in my gut, I mean, you made a lot of great points. My gut, I think that McConnell finishes this year. But mm. I do think he's moved in the offseason. Off I, okay. I think at that point, it's going to be like, hey, he's only getting a little bit older. He's already going to know that coming into this year, he wasn't supposed to have a role in the rotation. I don't think much is going to change going into next year. Yeah. So I think at this point, he's already proven his value and far more. Nemhard has not been able to stay healthy. We have been blessed to have a guy like TJ McConnell, who, while he has not been consistent every night, when needed, he's been ready. He stayed ready. And I think that there's there's been a lot of good moments. Yeah. I, at this point, I'm not interested in trading McConnell for a second-round pick and a guy who's going to be at the end of the bench. I think that McConnell brings far more, you know, not even playing than what some random guy is in, in a second-round pick. So, um, next on my list, a Alex, actually in first grade, I was a Boy Scout, so I can say Scout's honor. I, I had TJ McConnell okay. for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned. I mean, look, love me some McConnell. He's been great. The writing's on the wall. I don't think he's going to be here long-term. I, I think that let's, let's rewind a bit. When we signed TJ McConnell, I remember being like, oh, wow, hey, 
hey, McConnell, he had some good moments in, in Philly. And then it's like he played good and he got another deal. And then it's like it's like every year when you think you're done with him, he proves his value once again. That is exactly where we're at now, quite a few years later, that TJ McConnell has been an awesome pacer. I don't think you could find anyone that would say that he has not exceeded their expectations from when he signed till now. And however it ends, McConnell has been the ultimate pro, and I just want to do right by him. But at this point, I think we know he's not going to be a pacer long-term. It might be one more year. It might be this offseason, but it ain't going to be multiple years. I don't see another TJ McConnell contract with the Pacers. Yeah, I don't really know how to feel yet because he is getting a little bit older too, and I think that's something to keep in mind, like the age and how that fits in long-term as well. So I do think that there's a good chance he could play out the rest of his contract only because do the Pacers feel like Andrew Nimard is a better fit at the starting shooting guard position over Buddy Heald next to Tyrese, Neesmith, Siakam, and Turner? And they're like, okay, we're just going to make McConnell the backup point guard. You know, and now they still have that third string point guard in, in Nimhard that can be that guy if they need him to be. But, you know, that, that to me is something to keep an eye on there just to see if they feel like Nimhard's a better fit as the off ball guard, which would make McConnell much more valuable for a lot of people. So it makes sense. We You have him at 10, I have him at 11, and we're finally going to be caught back up here now with all these players because at 10, this is where I have Buddy Heald. And all right. it is a little bit higher, like we talked about. It is an expiring contract. You're not really sure what exactly Buddy Heald's going to want. We do know that the, the Pacers offered him uh, uh, an interesting deal that he did turn down. And I think that Buddy Heald is looking for a good payday because it's probably going to be one of his last ones, if not it, the it last is big one. The last real one. Mm -hmm. And I think he really likes it here. I think he really fits Carlisle's system. I know fans are kind of wishy-washy on him. And I hate to see that because Buddy Heald was so good for this team two years ago when he first came over here. Very. This season, it's been a little bit different, but he's been really good about adjusting to whatever role they ask him. He's played with a good spirit. And you can just tell when you're like around the team and around the guys in the locker room, like they just really in, embrace Buddy Hill for what he is. And I think he's kind of matured as a player and as a, as a person just trying to really help this team. So I think he has more value to the Pacers than maybe he does to the open market. Definitely. And that's why I had him a little bit higher. But him and Tyrese, their chemistry is unreal. I think that Kalen Cooper brought up some great points about how he fits so well with Pascal Siakam in the mix. And we'll just continue to see that two-man duo of Siakam and Heald uh, evolve over time. But I, I think that Buddy, just the shooting that you get from him, nobody else, you know, draws that much attention or gravity outside of Tyrese probably from beyond the arc. Nobody is really like, oh, my God, we can't leave Buddy open. Because even if he does go 2 of 10, you just fear like that 11 shot, it's going in because if Buddy Heald's open – He's a great shot maker, and he's proven that throughout his entire career. So I'm not trying to like be all like such a buddy homer, but I just think he's good. He is good. I mean, look, he's going to go down as one of the elite three-point shooters of all time. He, yeah. he, uh, the other night against Phoenix, he became the 20, uh, 23rd on the all-time list in threes made. So it's like this is a guy that when it's all said and done, I mean, he will be up there. I mean, they actually said it a while back. They believe that Buddy Heald might actually be the only guy that could break Steph Curry's record of threes made because he stays healthy all yeah. the time. It depends That's how long part that, of it too. He's an Iron Man, basically. I mean, he rarely misses games. Rarely. So it, it, it's great to see. He's been a great teammate. I haven't heard anything negative about Buddy Heald since being a Pacer. And I remember you know, right when he came over from that trade, everybody was, you know, all Kings fans, I should say. We're trying to say, oh, you know, he's going to be unhappy. This, like, the man wasn't happy in Sacramento. That's a completely different story. But anyway, I already had him lower on my list. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Next on my list, this is Ben Shepard. Now, yeah. I, I, I've seen there's been some moments for for shepherd that i liked and maybe i at times i want him a little bit higher but look we got to see what happens i believe in him i think he very well could be the buddy replacement he's obviously brought in to be a real good three-point shooter i think he's played well in the g league i think that carlisle seems to like him we've seen at times that he's gotten minutes you know early on while being a rookie i feel that anyone who's been watching has seen that ben shepherd has gotten more minutes than jarris walker two totally different positions but I, I think that he's going to be a solid part of the rotation next year, especially if Buddy's not there. I think he's going to have yeah. a big role. So I like me some Ben Shepard, but I think that expectations were that we weren't going to see a lot of him this year, given the roster, given, you know, 26th overall pick at, at, a, at a deep spot in terms of guards. So I got Ben Shepard there, and I, and I feel good about him moving forward. I think one thing I've noticed about Ben Shepard, why he's not been very consistent from outside, he plays hard every time he's on the court. Mm -hmm. And he plays under control, plays with a good spirit, and I think that's what Rick Carlisle likes. But we got to keep this in mind too, Fachi. These kind of contracts are going to be huge for the Pacers moving forward as they get closer to the luxury tax and stuff like that. And they're, they're, they're not very close to the luxury tax right now, but as they continue to make these big moves, you know, Halliburton's extension kicks in. What does Siakam cost you? Do you re-sign Buddy Hill? Turner's going to be on an expiring. What about Turner, exactly. Him. Yeah, so there's a lot of question marks, and that's why you need and value somebody like a Ben Shepard who's only going to be on year two, year three of that rookie deal. And because he was picked 26 overall, that doesn't mean it's going to be very high. So you got to value these rookie contracts because they're going to be huge. And we'll see what happens with the rotation in terms of how they feel about Ben Shepard and how many consistent minutes he'll get moving forward. But I I'm kind of I'm kind of on the boat of like I don't know if I'm ready to trust him yet. Maybe it's because he's been too inconsistent, too streaky yeah. for a rookie for me to really trust him. Uh, but I, I yeah, because I don't feel like you can just let Buddy Hill go and be like Shep's got this. I don't I don't feel that. No, way not at all. Yeah, I don't think anybody should. No, but if I you don't know what Rooster that way. just got of that tweet that that tweet that Rooster said he's got about Ben Sher. I don't know what it is. I think you <laughs> might know. I don't know, but it's like no one other than maybe Rooster could feel that. It's like. We're ready for the Shepherd era. Move on from Buddy. You just hope he could grow into a good role. He's never going to grow into and I don't want to tell him short. He's never going to grow into being Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald that like we talked about moments ago, one of the elite three-point shooters of all time. You're just yeah. hoping that Ben Shepard could be a good three-point shooter for this team. Yeah, maybe have like an Isaiah Joe type of career, something like that. Just carve your way out, become a really good shooter, and one year in the books, it's going to help you get better for next year. I mean, I, I think he's a really fun player to watch, just the way he plays so hard and, and, and the energy that he plays with. So I have him at nine as well at number eight, Fachi, just to keep it moving. I've got Isaiah Jackson. Do you have Isaiah Jackson at eight? I do have Isaiah Jackson at eight. So the lists have been similar, but y- you take it before I take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Ijax here, he's just another rookie contract. I mean, it's going to be coming up here for an extension. In the next couple of years, we'll see what happens with him and how much he's really worth. But I think that he's played really good basketball. He's still very young. He'll be 22, I think, when his contract expires or when he's up for a new contract. So still relatively young, has a lot of good basketball ahead of him. I don't think his contract's going to break the bank. I don't know what exactly they're going to be asking for. But at this point, if you keep Jalen Smith, he's kind of the third-string center he might be looking for a new opportunity, but Indiana will have his, his restricted bird rights. So it does help them. They can keep that leverage of keeping him. And I think that there's probably teams around the league that have a lot of interest in Isaiah Jackson. 
because when he's played, he's been pretty ferocious at, at catching lobs and dunking the ball in traffic and just being a very good roller and puts a lot of pressure at the rim. And, and, and he can also block shots. Like we talked about what he did against the Hawks out there in space on Trey Young, switching on to him, blocking jump shots against one of the better shooting guards in the entire NBA. I mean, that just is a special talent. And he's just not been getting consistent run for the whole season. But over the last month plus, when he's been healthy, Carlisle's really called on him to step up and provide more of a more of a spark for this team than he had been. So I have Isaiah Jackson eight. Anything else you want to add to him? I just want to say that if there's any player that maybe has made the biggest adjustment or done a 180, I, I think it's Isaiah Jackson. I was really down on him in the offseason because it was just like I thought he would dominate. Summer league. Summer league was, was really the, bad for him. That was really bad. That was a yeah. third year player. It was. It was. You know. It was like it was tough because that that guy should have. You would have thought that he would have been like a, uh, uh, you know, a man amongst boys. That was not the case. And preseason, you're like, oh, I don't know, man. He just foul so much. I think that just what and for what he's been given, he's averaging just under 14 minutes per game. Actually, the fewest in his three year career. He's putting together his best season. Uh, I love what I've seen. He's showing that the future's bright. I, I don't think he's ever going to develop into being like even a halfway shooter. Like I don't think we should ever really see him putting him up in three point land or you know really not expecting to leave the paint much. But he's played to his strengths. I like what I've seen. I'm very very happy they pulled uh, they picked up his option and that he's going to be back uh, next year for four point four million dollars prior to restricted free agency. If Jalen Smith walks. I do feel confident that Isaiah Jackson could take that backup center role. He won't be the shooter that Jalen Smith is, but I think that he'll be able to hold it down, have a bigger role. I'm excited about that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And if he can play with Jairus Walker as the backup four, and Jairus can shoot the ball from three like he has been, then I don't really think you need Isaiah to shoot threes. And Mm -hmm. those two together could be very fun defensively. I I like the potential of that backcourt or that backup I always want to say that that front court second unit that that excites me a little bit. But I've got Ijax at eight. Who do you have at number seven? At number seven, I have Andrew Nimhard, and right, I, I, I don't I don't think that this would have been the case uh, a couple months ago or whatever in the off season because I I think we both you know really really high on Andrew Nimhard. We know this franchise is very high on Andrew Nimhard. He was not going to be included in that deal of Pascal Siakam. And we felt like that's someone that the Raptors would be interested in. But at the same point, Nemhard, you're still not 110% convinced of, is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? This has not been a good year for him. But you talked about it earlier. We mentioned Ben Shepard. That contract, that contract is going to be extremely key. He's making just over $2 million. He makes the fewest amount on this Pacers team. And I, I think his talent is... You know, his, his potential is very, very high. But I think the players above him are uh, – the Pacers have a little bit more of a financial commitment to as well as maybe, you know, draft commitment to those players. Yeah, I mean, the big thing with uh, Andrew Nimhart is not having the bird – I mean, you have the bird rights, but you don't have the restricted rights Yes, once his contract comes up. So they did sign that biggest deal for a free agent – or, excuse me, a second-round pick signing him to like the biggest contract. I think that was actually broken the previous year, um, the following year after. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what exactly Andrew Nimhart is, like you mentioned. It's tough because he can play a point guard. He can play two. If you really need him to, he can play some three. He definitely guards up to his position. He's very physical, very good defender. Pacers need a lot of good defense on this team, and I think that that's why it does make sense to potentially start him next to Neesmith and Siakam and Turner just to kind of shore up that defense, really make your only hold Tyrese Halliburton out there and then hide Halliburton as much as possible by putting him on the worst offensive player. But, you know, Andrew Nimhart is a very skilled basketball player. We saw the highs and the lows so far the last year and a half of him. Fans need to just remember, like, he's he's the same guy that was a part of that starting five last year that went on a huge run for the Pacers. And he actually kind of helped when Bruce Brown was out play that starting two guard as that kind of secondary ball ball handler, that that really good on-ball defender to guard the other player's best guards. And even in a loss against Phoenix, like he was really making it hard on Devin Booker when he was in the game. You know, he had some bad moments offensively, and I think he's going to be okay. But yeah, Andrew Nimhart is a, is a very gifted basketball player. It's just what is his long-term future with this team, and is he going to accept 
you know, being a backup point guard because if he if he ends up blossoming, if he becomes a Tyus Jones, then I think Tyus Jones on the Wizards right now would love to go somewhere where he can start and be on a better winning on a better team where he can help winning. And it would not surprise me if we get to that point in two to three years with Andrew Nimhard where he's just ready to kind of shed this Pacers team because he only has such a such a limit he can get to with Halliburton being there at the point guard. And he's like, okay, I need to find somewhere I can kind of be like the leader of this team, like a Fred Van Vliet did when he left um, Toronto for Houston to kind of be the point guard there. So it, it's it's tough because Nimhard's not a great player by any stretch of the means. He's a very good role player right now. But if he continues to hit that ceiling, there's a good chance you can make that he has a case for why he could be a starting point guard. Yeah, I mean, to your point, it's something I've always feared. I always fear that it's like long-term, you got to imagine that everybody deserves to want more. And I think at one point he might want to say, hey, look, if the money's even, I want to go to the place that could start. I can go. I want to go to the place where I'm consistently, I, I'm asked to do more. A uh, place where I might be, you know, getting more touches, getting more minutes, you know, all, all that stuff. And, you know, not to say that they're even in the same stratosphere, but I remember listening to an interview years ago. James Harden talked about when he took the money from Houston and it was uh, over OKC. He said, if I stayed in OKC, OKC and I took that deal, I was locked into being the sixth man. That's who I was going to be. That's what they wanted for me. That's what the role was. He goes over to Houston. Obviously, he blossoms. I think Andrew Nemhard knows. You're never going to be the starting point guard of this team. You could be the starting shooting guard, maybe. Mm-hmm. You could be the backup, but he has that limitations. I think for right now, the Pacers should absolutely continue to lean into Andrew. Play him. He's got so many different strengths. He does a little bit of everything very well. But I think at this point, you know, we know moving forward, who knows what happens, uh, but the Pacers are lucky to have him. But next on my list, I have Aaron Neesmith. I'm right now, with you. I think we're going to be pretty similar. I, I I really do. There hasn't been that many changes uh, on our list outside of really the spot of Buddy. But yeah. I, think Andrew, I think Aaron Neesmith has come down a little bit this month. I think that his numbers are coming down a little bit to earth. Still a very good player. Very essential to the Pacers. And I think that the improvement from last year to this year – is beyond evident. He's been as accurate as they come, shooting 51% from the field, 47% from three. You love it. Great defender who brings it every single night. And I'm thrilled that he signed that three-year extension so you know he plays into the future of this Pacers team. And he's versatile. He could play numerous positions. He could play the four if you really want him to. He could play the three. He could play the two. I mean, whatever you want Aaron Neesmith to do, He's going to find a way to do it. So that that's why I got him at number six on my list. Yeah, number six. He he is probably your fifth starter, potentially your sixth man on a really good team. Mm-hmm. We know that about Aaron Smith. Saying he's like a lock for being a starter on this team, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. He should be. He's a really good defender, very versatile, shooting the ball, like you said, lights out. So the contract they got him to long-term, was a, a huge steal for the Pacers. Amazing. He means way more to the Pacers in terms of what he brings than probably a lot of other teams. And I know that sounds silly to say that, but he has found Indiana uh, as a home for him. And he has just relished in this opportunity. He just likes the hoop, man. And that's what I like about him. He doesn't care about the big city or anything like that. He just wants to come out there and win basketball games. It's all about what he can do on the court. And he likes doing a lot of stuff in the community, but in terms of like, getting all the accolades off the court, it really doesn't matter that much to him. So that's why you got to really like Aaron Neesmith because he's a he's just a really good guy, really good player, and someone that's so easy to root for. So I think it makes a lot of sense to have him here. Contract is very movable if you do want to move it, and I think that because it's such a good contract, it could be very attractive to other teams that are trying to make that smaller move um, because if you get an Aaron Neesmith on your team, anybody would be excited for what he's done in Indiana to do that on their team. So... He brings it every night. He brings the juice. He's he's energetic, defensive-minded, can get a little bit crazy sometimes and gets himself too amped, and that leads to some early fouls because he gets himself out of position or just over-aggressive. But I'd rather have that than the opposite. He's one that you can call a true dog on this team, someone this Pacers team desperately needs. And if you were to make the case that he should be higher, I could hear it. I just feel like in terms of his overall role, 
and ceiling, the other four to five guys ahead of him just make more sense than having him there. So I think six is a great spot for him. I think it is. And ceiling, I think, is the key word because the players above him have special, special potential. You don't want to say that Neesmith doesn't because he's gotten so much better year after year. I mean, this is a guy that at one point, whether it's Celtics fans or whatever, we're we're saying, I don't want to use the term bust because that is really harsh, but not living up to draft potential, I I think, is the way to put it. And this man now looks like a, a regret that Boston is saying, like, Oof, you know what? Maybe we didn't play him enough. So mm-hmm. I think Neesmith, fantastic. But number- When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Number five on my list is Miles Turner. All right. Now we're the same still. Turner, I, I think when you said could you do could you if you can't improve upon last year, could you at least do it again? Well, he is doing it again. I, I, Turner's averaging 17.5 points, 7.2 rebounds. He's shooting 53%. Those numbers are very, very similar to last year. It's great. He's actually, though, playing the second fewest minutes of his career. This yeah. is actually be the fewest minutes dating back to his rookie year, but he's still giving you all that production. But here's the thing. Here's the reason why I have a number five. While the Pacers do not have anyone behind him that could threaten his job, he only has one year left on his contract. And I know we're soon – it's almost like we, we had like a year and a half break of this, but I hope the next year the questions don't return. What's going to happen with Miles and his contract? You know, that, that could happen again, but he will be an expiring contract. And at this point – I don't know. I mean, good Turner, does he have a next year from now? Are you going to bring him back in terms of, hey, you know what? He's the longest tenured pacer. He's been a great teammate. There's a lot of different questions to ask. Turner's been awesome, but I think the guys above him uh, are under contract for a few more years, a little bit younger. You know, just Turner at number five, I think that is the spot to have him at. Yeah, Miles Turner is a very good basketball player. There's no doubt about it. Jeff Teague went on his podcast and was just raving about how awesome of a player Miles was and how he was really glad that the Pacers moved off of DeMontis Sabonis and kept him around long-term and that now they have Pascal Siakam, like it's going to be a really good fit. And we know that Pascal wrote down that Kevin Durant and Miles Turner would be his ideal front-court pairings. And so, hey, you know what? He got to go up against one and play, and he plays with the other one now. So I I think that... When you look at Miles Turner, Miles Turner has really stepped up and proven what he can do. And I think at this point now, what we've seen the last two seasons with him next to Tyrese is kind of what we can expect. I would be a little bit surprised if he takes another leap in his career, point wise, rebound wise, anything like that. I just, I'm not expecting a whole lot, but it will be interesting to see how he does fit in long term with Siakam and Halliburton. I think it's a great fit and I'm, I'm kind of eager to see it. But the contract situation does have me a little concerned because the Pacers had a ton of cap space to make this move happen. If he wants north of $25, $28 million a year moving forward, is that going to be able to be something the Pacers can work out? Because that's a lot of money tied up into your your, your quote-unquote big three. And I don't really know if he qualifies, in my opinion, as someone as that third big three member. I think he's a very, very, very talented center that does a lot for this team. But at the same time, I don't want to invest a ton of money into the center position when I've got all those resources tied into my point guard, my power forward, and I really probably need to find a better answer at the three moving forward long-term. No offense, Aaron Neesmith, 
but you need another star kind of guy out there that can just help you get buckets from time to time. Because I don't think Pascal is a guy that's going to be just like a bucket hog, if that makes sense. He's he's more of a guy that's opportunistic. And Halliburton's mm-hmm. a guy that knows when to hunt and when not to hunt. So if they could have more of that balance with another third star, I think that would be huge because we saw how well Pascal played next to Kawhi Leonard. I just think that this is a Pacers team heading on the up, and there was a lot of talk about potentially Paul George and Tyrese had something cooking. Um, Miles just can't be that guy. So just to get back to Miles, Miles is that fourth, fifth guy on your starting five. Really valuable piece. And as I was watching Nurkic just really struggle in this game against Phoenix on Sunday, I kept thinking, man, the Suns got to be kicking themselves for not doing the sign and trade for Turner, where they could have got Can't off eight that, and they would have got Miles Turner in in you know in that trade. And how much better would he fit with Durant, Beal, and, and Booker than Nurkic? Yeah, and look, I mean, who knows how it would have worked out? But in terms of uh, you know them passing on on that sign trade i mean they were talking about it It would have been turner i believe a first round pick yeah not not paying deandre and all that money i mean they overall made a big mistake but you also got to remember as as it relates to contract the pacers were in a very interesting spot having that what 15 to 17 million dollars left over in cap space when they were able to renegotiate and and uh and stretch that that contract out with that extension for Turner, I mean that that was that was the big thing that made it all work. I don't know if Turner is going to take a, a another discount and you know be at say twenty million dollars moving forward. So that that's the thing that complicates stuff. But we have time until we cross that uh, bridge. But next yeah. number four on my list, Jarris Walker. Okay, now, I liked what I saw from Jarris in that Phoenix game. I really did. Really had me thinking, you know what? These are meaningful minutes right now. This man's stroking it for three-point land. He's grabbing rebounds. He's getting put-back slams. I felt, hey, the Pacers are bringing him along slowly, and he's going to be a good player. Defensively, I'm going to be honest. I'm not seeing all those defensive instincts that we heard about, but I think the game comes really fast to a big man, and, and he's really young, and it's gonna, that is gonna, that's going to be in the waiting. But for now, I have Jairus Walker at number four. I'm a firm believer, but it it just ain't going to be this year. This was a tough one for me, and this is where I really had to debate a few different guys. But unfortunately, this is where I've got Pascal Siakam at number four. Oh, okay. All right. right. I've got Spicy P at four because, number one, (laughs) he's an expiring contract. There is still a percentage, and that's a very, very, very small percentage, in my opinion, that he could walk in free agency for nothing which really does hurt your value. Now, if he does sign for a three- to four-year deal, maybe even a five-year deal, and it's a max contract, where does that put him at on the asset list either? Because while he could be the second-best player entering year third, you know, entering his year at 30 years old, how much more value does he have at that max level player on those next four to five years? I think that is a very fair question to ask, not knowing how he's going to project the rest of his career. I, I I heard Sean Woodley on the Locked On Pacers podcast talk about watching Pascal and how he kind of compared him to power forward DeMar DeRozan, and I thought that was a great comparison because you can kind of see where he plays that way. He'll shoot yeah. threes occasionally, but he lives kind of in that mid Loves that mid Loves it. Yeah, he's kind of herky-jerky a little bit too and, and, and just really enjoys – playing a different type of style, a little bit more physical too. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Pascal Siakam. I still think he's the second best player on this team, but mm-hmm. you don't have any youth really left for him to develop. And he is who he is at this point. And you have no team control of him for the next seven plus years. Like you do have in Mather and, and then, you know, potentially eight years with Jairus Walker, if you're able to let him play out the four years of his rookie deal and then get another four to five years on his extension after that. So that's where I'm just at with it. I just felt like because the team control contract and he's a little bit older, it makes him less appealing than a Matherin or a Walker. Two guys with Pacers would not trade for him. Very true. Very true. A fair point. And look, there is completely that risk. If there is that risk before where I had Buddy as low as I did because he's expiring – you have every right to have Pascal in that spot because, yeah, technically he could walk. But 
I have him a little bit higher on my list. Next, I have Benedict Matherin. Okay. So Matherin, someone that you mentioned, under contract, the Pacers have that team control. I don't, I don't see Matherin passing up uh, his next deal when the Pacers can offer him more money and, and, and extra years. And just, I feel like he is a, a real promising player. And I have to say promising because the inconsistency has been there at times. I think right now, currently, you know, we're recording this his last two games, one of 16 from the field. It's probably the worst stretch that we've seen in his career. I think that there's been many, many times that we've been, you know, overly impressed with, wow, the potential is through the roof, specifically 25 points against the Kings. That was great to see. But for Matherin, now that there is Siakam there, and if Siakam does sign long-term, it pushes Matherin down into that, like, okay, he can be now, it feels like he could be the third best player on this team. Hard to be the second. Anything could happen. But the Pacers absolutely were right to stick their feet firm in the ground and say, we are not trading Ben McMathrin. It would have been way too early to give up on a player of his potential. And I, I really want to see him continue to grow with this team. That's why I got him at number three. I've got him a little bit higher, but I'll, I'll talk about him That's when fair. I get there. I'm going to spend a few minutes here just talking about Jairus Walker. I know you touch on some really good points. We're seeing the shot evolve. The defense is still a work in progress. Very good rebounder. Has a great instincts. You can kind of tell... He's like always trying to think ahead with his passing. So that does help you out a little bit. I, I've loved the step back three, though, and the confidence that he's taken that with in the Oof, two games yeah. that we saw him get significant run against Portland and then against Phoenix in the road trip. So it's going to be an uphill battle for him, but I still think that he is just a guy that has a lot of potential that makes it hard to, to move off of him so quickly or even – not have him in the top three for me. I just I couldn't put a guy that's 29 years old, going to be 30 at the end of the season, above him, knowing that he's what 21 years old, Fachi, 20, 21 years old, Jairus Walker. So he's a he's a young power forward that has the skill sets that can translate. He could play a little three, which he showcased in these games. If you need to go a little bit bigger, he's capable of doing that. Still a work in progress defensively. It's going to take some time. Very young, very raw in that aspect, but. I am just a uh, a big fan of what I've seen so far. I know people probably think I don't like him as much just because I'm understanding of why he's not playing. But at the same time, I'm excited to maybe see him kind of get more of an opportunity with this rotation, maybe rip that Band-Aid off a little bit and see what you can get from him and just let him work because the one thing we do know is that teams don't have a great scouting report on him because he's not really played significant it's minutes. True. So that does give you a little bit of an upper upper hand there but once teams start figuring out what he does how does he adjust and i think that's another that's aspect of the game we want to see is how does he adjust when when teams start figuring out who he is so for me that's why i have jairus walker at three and i'm excited just to kind of see him grow as a player i think we're both very very high on what he could become yeah and i i liked what I, and you said you had him at the three i liked rick playing him at the three because for now with a log jam at the four hey you got to either clean that up or you got to play him in a different position. Either way, I do think that this man, it's, it's too good to just not see the floor, period. But I, I know that when they bring him along slowly and when he is finally ready or when the Pacers are ready to be able to play him the minutes he deserves, he's going to be ready. So I'm excited about that. But number two on my list, the guy that you had lower, that's Pascal Siakam. And here's the thing. I think in the second the Pacers made that deal, they felt confident enough to re-sign him to a max contract. You gave up three first-round picks. Bruce Brown, we're not we could throw in Jordan Award just to complete what the deal was, but you know, we're not gonna act like we're gonna be losing sleep over that. No offense. But I think in this scenario, for Siakam, you're bringing him in to be the second guy. Yes, he is 29 years old, and you could make an argument he might not ever make another all NBA team again. But I do think he could still be an all-star in this league, especially playing with the best point guard he has ever had an opportunity to play with or ever even dreamed of playing with in Tyrese Halliburton. So I am excited, 29 years old, still still a young man in life. I know in the NBA, you start to go, oh, but it doesn't even have a three in front of it. He ain't even in his 30s yet. So let's <laughs> give this man some time. He's had two games as a pacer. I truly do think, though, you made a great point. He could win. Walk and at that point, yeah, he's going from second on my list to off the team. But I do think that the Pacers will sign him to a five-year deal. I think it'll well, be okay. a five-year deal. So well, I think at that point, 
It'll be a max $247 million. I think that, that when you make this trade, that's what you have to do. You think he's going to sign in Indiana for four years over someone else giving him four years? I, I don't know. I really don't think so. I think that, that we have to play uh, to our advantage of we can offer you an extra year. So that's what I got him at number two. But I would love to hear your thoughts on, uh, you know, what you got. Yeah, so, I mean, I got Mather at number two. I think it's pretty obvious based on who I yeah. had left. And it, it, it was hard for me to put him here because we're going on, like you said, a bad stretch of games from him. Tough. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with Matherin. Is he ever going to take that step? I don't I want know. to say yes or no because I think it's way too early to kind of pigeonhole him into anything. But we've seen flashes of growth. But at the same time, I think maybe we were a little bit ahead of ourselves with how well he played to start out the year last year. When a guy starts out as hot as Matherin does in the month of October, November in 2022, you feel like you're getting the next number two guy next to Tyrese Halliburton. Yep. Once defense start figuring him out, and he starts to kind of showcase a little bit more of how bad of a defender he actually is, then you start to start, you put these questions in the back of your head like, okay, who is this guy and what is he going to become? Starts this year as a starter, had some good moments, gets put on the bench, has some good moments off the bench, but still he has yet to really string together consistency for a handful of games. And I know that he's a very talented player. I just wonder, how does he fit in long-term next to Tyrese Halliburton? We've talked about this a little bit, but I have some concerns. I think that it's been a little bit eye-opening that he has fit better next to McConnell yeah, than Tyrese Halliburton and how they've kind of adjusted the way they play to benefit him. And I think that they're doing what's best for the team, but is that ultimately what's best for the development of Halliburton and Matherin? Probably not. And so. that's mm -hmm. why I don't necessarily know if putting him at number two is fair or not, but I feel like if he can reach that ceiling flashy that we saw in the rookie year, then that is arguably the second best player on this team. He just has to get to that point. We had, we had a podcast title after this, one of the games where he said, Kobe, nah, Matherin, he's got that in him to become that. We just haven't consistently seen it yet. I'm not ready to write him off. I'm not ready to sit here and say that he's not got to trade him right away, but I will say this. There are some questions about who he can become, and that's why I'm a little bit nervous. I almost put Jairus higher than him just because we know that Jairus is a little bit better defensively coming into his mm -hmm. rookie year. I just obviously know Jairus breaks out of the scheme way too much. There's a lot of question marks there with if he can just be more disciplined, but Matherin, it's tough because he shows you a lot of promise and then a lot of reason to like be like, why do I believe in him so much? Jarris very well could be a, a more complete player in this league. There's a lot of stuff that he does well. I mean, we're already seeing, hey, he could be a good rebounder. He could be a good scorer. He's, he's a good passer. Uh, for Matherin, you know, he's, he's a really good scorer. And you want that to also be able to translate to winning. His highs have been like Mount Everest high. Like there's been moments where you're like, oh my God, this he's got he's got it. This man is special. And then there's also moments where I, I kid you not, there's a true story. Watching the Portland game, he missed like two shots in a row. I swear my I swear on everything. My wife turned to me and goes, You should have got a Halliburton jersey. And I was like, Okay, babe, like let's, let's take it down a bit. Like I, it's still like <laughs> he said that to me. It's true story. Story. And it's like, all right, I know I should have went with a Halliburton jersey, but when you talk about early 2022, that early the 2022 season, yeah, yeah. that's how good Matherin was. He, he was, was awesome. so good that I, I truly made the decision. I was like, I'm getting a Matherin jersey over Halliburton. This this guy is gonna be an all-star, he's gonna be unbelievable. And we're we're waiting, we're waiting. He's put together good five, ten game stretches, but you want to see it for a couple months at a time. And he definitely has improved. Yeah. From last year. Sure. He has. He's not getting the same opportunity as he was last year. Because he seems better. But you have every right to put him at number two. Jairus Walker and Matherman. I think that's a good debate. Moving forward a couple of years from now. Who does have the better career? I think that's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully they're both equally as good. And they're both on the Pacers. And we could reap the benefits of that. And have a lot of podcast episodes. Talking about how good they are. But, you know, we'll, we'll find out. Number one on my list, and I my don't list. think it's going to – yeah, exactly. Both of our lists, I don't think it's going to be a surprise. It's him, himself, Tyrese Carlisle. 
Exactly. <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton, uh, the, the, the man who just uh, – the heartbeat of this team, the franchise, a guy that I truly believe, and I think we all do at this point, is going to be starting in the All-Star game. A man that the only way you could possibly keep him all, off an All-NBA roster is if he doesn't play 65 games. He's been that special. He's ours, and I hope to one day see that jersey in the rafter. It's Tyrese Halliburton. Alex, I mean, what more could you say? Just sum it up. What do you got? He is the engine that gets this car moving. He is everything to this team. He is the face. He is the franchise. He is the one that is helping with negotiations in terms of talking to the player you could be going out and getting in a trade to see what their value is going to be like. And also, he's just a vibe. Go watch that four-minute clip of him mic'd up in the Sacramento game. Oh, yeah. Here's just the, the relationship that him and TJ McConnell have. And what's really interesting, I've heard McConnell say this too, McConnell's like eight years older than, TJ, or than Tyrese Halliburton. But he said every day he learned something new from Tyrese, just how he leads. And they kind of feed off of each other. But that just kind of shows you the amazing person that Tyrese is. And that's not even talking about all the stuff you mentioned on court. He is fantastic. He's a great shooter, great passer, has really learned how to figure figure out the balance of scoring and passing, can be clutch. We've seen the, the clutch shots that he's made time and time again. He's able to heal fast, came back from that injury relatively quick. Thankfully, it wasn't nearly as bad as it looked when it initially happened. Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things where Tyrese Halliburton is evolving into what a lot of people are saying is a superstar. He can be that number one tier level player that can help get your team to an NBA Finals. I don't know if he's in the same boat as a Giannis or a Jokic or that group yet, but I think he's on his way there. I think he mm -hmm. can make the case in the next five to ten years as a top five, top ten player in this league and the best point guard in this league. I, I think that that's even up for debate now. So. I just, yes. I just have found myself infatuated with the, the growth that we've seen, the maturation from Tyrese Halliburton, but the hunger to get better. And I, and I know this sounds silly, but he's not made the playoffs yet. I can only imagine how much hungrier he's going to be once he gets his first taste of postseason basketball. Pacer fans, you should be ecstatic because the man is going to be here for the rest of this season and at least the next five years after. So... There's no doubt in my mind, if they can work this great relationship out and continue to move forward and trying to win and be really competitive, Tyrese Halliburton retires a pacer. We got to do everything in our power to, to make sure that happens. But I also, you know, I can't wait for him to make the playoffs so everybody could stop saying, that's the only knock on him now. He's never yeah. made the playoffs. It's like, guys, give him time. I mean, he came from Sacramento, which is a dumpster fire. Over, you know, an Indiana team that was rebuilding. It's like, we're going to make the playoffs. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be the best thing that can happen for him. But I also feel like anytime something has not gone his way, he has come out on the other end better for it. Whatever, maybe missing a shot at the end of the game or a, a tough turnover or a close loss, it's like he makes sure to make those adjustments, and I just feel like he's going to get better defensively. That will happen over time. He's already... It feels like he's rewriting history on a nightly basis for stat lines that have never been done before. I mean, the recent one was games with 15 assists and zero turnovers. He already has six of those games. He did it in like 235 games. Like the two players above him, Chris Paul had like maybe two or three more of those games. It took him like hundreds of more games to be able to do that. Like Tyrese puts up stat lines that I, in the game of basketball have never been done before. I just don't understand how that happens. He, he's that gifted, that special. And you talked about it. He's that man is one recruiter. Yeah. He is able to do what no other Indiana Pacer has been able to do. The sky is the limit. Just wait until this team is really starting to win because the level of talent that he is able to attract is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before. And it started with guys like an Obi Toppin or a Bruce Brown or Pascal Siakam, and I can't wait to see who it ends up with. So for now, it's a no-brainer. Tyrese Halliburton, number one on both of our lists. The fact that he was at least rumored to have convinced Paul George to potentially team up with him back no one in would have thought that it, it would ever happen. You don't think it would ever happen? 
I said no one would have ever thought oh, that that would have happened. I, I mean, look where we came from a couple of years ago. Paul George used to say, my first team. Like he wasn't even saying that the Pacers. It was like we were in that bad of a spot yeah, yeah. In, in terms of Paul George's, you know, you know, uh, image of the Pacers to the fact that now we're hearing this. I could have never imagined it. And that just kind of goes to show you what kind of effect Halliburton can have. And it's only been two years now, really, since he's been here in Indiana. So it makes you feel pretty good. I think Tyrese Halliburton is exactly what this team needed. So that is our list. We only had a few different variations, but we're not going to go through and read them all. Just a good opportunity to go through and kind of evaluate the roster and look at what we think they mean to this team moving forward. But with that being said, Bocce, go ahead and tell the people where they can find us at on the good old social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our video content. We thank you guys so much for subscribing to our YouTube channel. Please let us know if you aren't because we'd like to make that change. And if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, wherever you get your podcast, that leaves us a five-star rating and review because the more ratings and reviews that we get, the more people find us out there. And we know that there's not that much Pacers content out there. So please, you're getting consistent daily Pacers podcast content only here at Setting the Pace. We want you guys to check us out and join the party. We love talking with you guys and being a part of the fam. So you guys are the amazing Pacers. With that being said, Fachi, if you're excited for this Pacers game against the Denver Nuggets tonight, then please hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.